Summer is finally mercifully here, Manitoba. If you want to promote your band or your team or your business with some fresh gear this season, check out our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Supporting local business is more important than ever in these tough times. So get a made in Manitoba solution to your screen printing, embroidery, heat press vinyl, and graphic design needs over at divineshirtcompany.ca or on Instagram at Divine Shirts. And tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I'm back here with a guest who has been on the show before, but it's been a few years, and um, the, the guest has a, an excellent new album and a lot of things going on lately, so I think that uh, the best way to start this off is if you want to introduce yourself and just give a bit of background about what it is you do as an artist. Sure, I'm uh, Will Bonas. I've been uh, playing piano for pretty much my whole life. I'm 37 now, and so I've been doing this for a while. Um, I grew up in Winnipeg. I've uh, been on the scene for... Yeah, long time. I've I've spent some time in other places, but most of my career has been shaped in Winnipeg. Um, I also do some traveling and play in other places as much as I can. But yeah, I would say I'm primarily based uh, here in Winnipeg. Cool, and and I think that like that's uh, where most people know you from too. Is from from all of your various. Um roles within the local jazz scene you've played on so many people's records and your name sort of shows up in the credits of uh, of a, a huge kind of proportion of, of local jazz releases and that seems to be kind of the case uh, just in general all of you sort of within the scene seem to play on each other's records and your your latest record is no different you have a lot of sort of well-known names uh, in the local jazz community who are are, are players on it yeah, for sure. I mean it is a, a pretty small scene so it makes sense that you would see a lot of the same names um but yeah, for, for this last record, I used a couple of people uh, who you could consider locals um, that were on the previous record. And I also imported a couple of people from Toronto as well, which was really fun. Cool. Well, maybe that's a good a good, good sort of a direction to go in to start talking about this record. How do you sort of decide who you want to play on a record? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, from from when you're writing the songs uh, to, you know, then getting together with, with musicians and it developing that way, there's obviously a lot of steps in between there. How do you know, for example, a bass player? How do you know who's going to work? How do you know, do you have an idea in your head when you're writing the piece that so-and-so would be, would be good on this track or, or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would say when I decide I want to do a record, I usually have a band in mind already. So I'm already at that point kind of writing with some specific people in mind. Um, so that's kind of that kind of takes place usually before I decide to do some recording, like I kind of decide who it's going to be with. Um, and that's that's just kind of a uh, in, an intuitive process, I would say, just from playing with people, you kind of over time you develop uh, ex enough experience to know actually pretty quickly whether this is someone that you want to work with more um so you know you you play with someone and it's just something clicks and yeah. you just think this is this is like this person is this is someone i want to play with so 
that that's generally been the case with with all my personnel for the past couple records it's been like these are these are people i've played with and very quickly realized that i wanted to record with them yeah so it's more i guess about the uh sort of the fit with you in terms of having that experience uh, of playing together and, and the way that you interact musically yeah absolutely it's definitely the fit with me i mean some people people take different approaches to this sometimes people um kind of cold call certain people that they they just love their playing and maybe they've never actually played with them before um maybe like a more well-known musician and they'll get them to be on their record um and i think that's that can be an, an interesting approach too but i've always taken the approach of like people that i have personally like played with and experienced the dynamic and it's not just musical it's like i want to get along with them on a personal level as well so yeah it's it's that's that's kind of how i've done it Okay, well, that makes sense for sure. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you something about sort of, uh, this is not really related to the, uh, the the music on the record necessarily, but just, I mean, I don't know if I asked you this last time, but just looking at the the cover of this this current album anyway, I mean, the, the, the cover art is very striking, the, the visual elements of it. I know that that's not something you did personally, but um, as far as like the title of the record, Is This a Dream? And then the design and sort of the imagery that goes with it. What is your sort of role in that? I mean, obviously you're naming the record and, and you're approving the the art and everything, but how much of that sort of visual aspect of it is something that you're considering um, as far as how you want these songs to be represented? Because you have vocals on maybe two of them, and it's not, it's instrumental music, right? Which is harder to sort of have a um, a definitive image of, I think, than, than something with lyrics. People, you know, you can give a designer an idea of what the lyrics are and they can decide based on that right but this is this is obviously a different case yeah i mean yeah of course if you bring up instrumental music yeah it's, it's always kind of like something where you have to you have to create a story somewhat like it doesn't just emerge kind of automatically like yeah. it would with songs that have words you can kind of just draw from from the words um but this this music was really uh i thought evocative of like kind of different uh states of mind i guess different uh different uh feelings and states of mind states of consciousness dreamlike states stuff like that um so i kind of brought that idea and as well as the title like i had the title and most of the track names already when i approached the designer so yeah, basically i, I kind of had the concept already and she kind of came up with the uh this is roberta landry she kind of came up with the uh like the Rorschach inkblot thing. But there were, there, she presented a few ideas, but I really liked that one. Cause it was really like, um, uh, it's, it's kind of like a, what do you see in the image type thing? And like with instrumental music, I find that really interesting that like, you can't really say it means anything objectively. It's always going to mean something a little bit different to every listener. Yeah. So I thought, I thought that tied in really well with the theme. Yeah, well, and it is definitely like I said, it's striking. Like throughout too, like the the inside of the liner notes and everything, it's 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 very um, it's very cool art, and it definitely yeah, it has that that Rorschach kind of kind of vibe to it. And so that makes a lot of sense. Um, that sort of personal interpretation uh, of the music. Um, I guess like on, on that same kind of um subject, when, when you're choosing the songs, because these aren't all original compositions, most of them are. But uh, I mean if you have an idea in your in your head like like this concept of is this a dream and sort of what you were thinking these the songs like you just explained with the different different mental states and things like that 
how do you select sort of the songs that are by other people that you're going to include in there? Because obviously yours, the things you're working on original music wise are going to have that connection. They're going to have that kind of a similar vibe because, you know, you're composing them. But uh, how do you know, how do you decide when something works with, with sort of your, your feel of, of a record? Right. Um, that's a good question that I don't really have a particularly good answer for. Cause I, I, I know so many songs at this point, like I kind of rely on my intuition for them to just sort of fall into place. Cause I've played, so, I've played so many songs, especially jazz standards and listened to so many of them that, um, that they kind of just honestly fall into place kind of mysteriously. Like, um, uh, all of these songs I had kind of been wanting to play I guess they kind of fell into place along the way. Like I, I kind of had the idea of the album. I had the other, some of the other compositions done and I was just kind of sifting through different songs I know and songs I might want to play, might want to record or arrange. And these ones just kind of popped to mind kind of mysteriously because they, they kind of fit in with the theme and um, like Tom Harrell's song Rapture has kind of, you know, has kind of that theme. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I get along without you very well is like a very like kind of denial state of mind and like it's a very sad song. Um, and then yeah, don't fence me in just kind of popped into my mind. I also really like Cole Porter and uh, I usually end up putting a Cole Porter song somewhere on there. So yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a good answer. It, it just kind of happens organically, I find. Well, it's, it's, and I, obviously a lot of it's the way that the, these are arranged and interpreted as well, but it does seem like it fits. I mean, listening to the, the album start to finish, I don't think it's necessarily obvious, you know, not knowing the original songs that, that, that you're, you're playing. I mean, it's not obvious which ones are written by someone else and which ones are written by you because it flows well right. as a record, which I'm assuming is something you did deliberately. Yeah, for sure. And when you arrange something, generally, it's, it's kind of like you're recomposing it in a way that's going to work for your own style. So. Right. I think um, if if someone didn't know those songs, yeah, they might they might mistake them for something I wrote. Although that that one track that has vocal lyrics on it, I think sounds really like a sounds like a jazz standard. Yeah, it sounds a little more old timey, maybe if that's uh, if that's a word than some of the other. Uh... It's actually the last tune. It sounds kind of uh, old timey as well. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I just like those songs, so I thought they fit like well enough that they would work. Yeah, totally. I mean, they they definitely sound like part of the part of the whole, the whole yeah. uh, piece of music.
this is maybe uh, I'm not sure if this is accurate, but upon like when I first listened to it, the first thing that struck me from sort of the beginning was that it sounds. Uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. It sounds like there's a lot of playing happening on, on so like right from the get go on the record. Whereas, I mean, I've heard some of your other records and that's definitely there in certain parts, but it just seems like on this record, there's a lot of songs that are very, I don't know if dense is the word, but there, there's a lot of music happening sort of all at once. Um, whereas, I mean, I've heard some of your other stuff that is somewhat more sparse. I don't know if that's, if that's accurate or if that's, no, you're more. right. It, 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 you're right. It did end up being a pretty dense record. Um, I don't know how that happened. It just kind of died. <laughs> I was I was hearing a lot of a lot of chords and a lot of harmonies and uh, a lot of different textures too. Like I was really getting into different combinations of the instruments I used, so I, I thought that was like a really important element of the album. Is um, I've got clarinet on there, which is, clarinet and vocals is a bit of a uncommon combination, and then um, the the opening track has like clarinet and arco like bowed bass okay as well. there's actually two bass players on there um i thought that was really cool i don't know if i've ever heard that combination before either so i was really into the different textures and that kind of stuff so well it so how does that stuff work then if you're playing in the live setting because obviously in a live setting depending on where you're playing and who you're playing with you're not going to have necessarily the same amount of people on stage you're not necessarily going to have the same instruments maybe you don't have a clarinet that day or whatever um you know when you have something that's dense like that is that something you would just skip if you're in a, in a smaller group or would you reinterpret it to sort of fit with the instruments you have available yeah it, it depends what i have available um like for example i just did a, a tour with a bunch of this music and I had this ensemble of uh, the bit like the basic group of this record, which was the clarinet voice, piano, bass and drums. Okay. Um, so I was able to do most of this just as as it sounds on the record. But like I didn't have that Arco bass. So like because that was a separate bass player. Um, and then I didn't have uh, there's one track that has alto saxophone, so I wasn't able to. So so like I just didn't do those tracks like there's three songs on there I didn't do. Um, and then we did a bunch of music from the previous record as well, which actually has alto saxophone. OK, um, so I just I just actually transposed all those parts for clarinet and they worked fine because it's kind of a similar range. So um, so those ones I was I was able to do like pretty much all of the songs from that record so but you know if i didn't have clarinet i don't know like that's a pretty important part of the sound of this record and it would have honestly been pretty hard to do like i might have just done some i, I might have been able to do it with saxophone if i yeah. rearranged it probably would have worked fine i think it would have lost a little bit of the uh the sound of like what makes it what it is but i probably would have transposed the parts for saxophone if I didn't have a horn at all, I, I would just do different music. Right, right. Part. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Why, why clarinet this time around? What, 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 what drew you to the clarinet for these songs? Um, well, I mean, like I said, like I, I kind of when I meet and play with musicians, I really like. I, I just kind of make that decision. Like, if I have an upcoming recording I want to do, maybe this is the person I want to use. So, I met Virginia in Toronto when I was spending about a year there, and. I just really liked her sound. She plays uh, she plays the instrument in a kind of a different way from a lot of clarinet players. Like she plays it maybe more like with more of an approach that a saxophonist would normally take. And um, I just really liked that sound. So that's 
I, I, it was just because of this specific person, you know, as opposed to like wanting clarinet in the first place. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of what led to that. Sure. Sure. No, that makes sense. Um, what has uh okay well actually maybe before we go to the next topic here about the clarinet it, it, now that you've done this now that you have this record that has you know a fairly prominent clarinet in a lot of the tracks um is that something you you hope to kind of use in your repertoire going forward is more clarinet um involved in what you're doing possibly yeah i mean i i have a couple other projects i'm planning like i, I would like to do um a solo piano record and i'd like to do um one or two trio records, like just piano, bass, and drums as well. So, yeah, I, I would like to do some more with her in the future with Virginia, um, but probably not for a while. I, just because I have just because I have some other projects lined up right now. But yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd love to do some more. What yep. has what has the reception to this record been so far? I mean, I know I know it's I know it's very recently been released, but you're also coming off, you know. Uh, I do know victory and, and a very, you know, well-received record before this. Mm. So, I mean, I imagine there's a, some amount of pressure. I think we probably talked about this last time you were on the show because you had just, you had just won, but um, yeah. What, what, what is that like now knowing that you have this out in the world and, and people have this maybe higher expectation on you than they did uh, a few years before? Um, you know, yeah. Someone else asked me this the other day and I, I told them that like, actually I feel less pressure because like I already have this award and um, I don't particularly care if I get it again. <laughs> I mean, it'd be nice, but like, I actually feel less pressure now. Like I, I just made a record that I really liked the sound of. I, I, I believe in all the music and it, I, I really, I didn't feel like I compromised on it in any way or anything like that. Like I just, I just played the music I wanted to play. I wasn't even, I, w I wasn't thinking about, like winning more awards or anything like that. So actually it's been great. Like it's been um, not, not too much, not no pressure for me really that I'm feeling um, it's, it's starting to get some good reviews. Like it, like, yeah, like you said, it was just released a couple of weeks ago. So I'm, I'm still kind of waiting on, on getting some more feedback on it. But um, based on what was happening on this tour, we just did, we played a bunch of the music. The audiences seemed to really love it. Cool. People were buying records and, they seem to be loving the music so yeah it's been going great that's awesome yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's, what you, that's what you want right you want that kind of yeah. reception to it yeah Thank you. 
What did the Juno uh, thing mean for you? I mean, obviously it's great to win the award and have your music recognized like that, but in terms of just opportunities and getting your name out there and getting you sort of more well-known outside of the, the scenes that you're currently sort of a, a main part of. Yeah, it's, it's been really great. Like it, it's, 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 it's just something that people recognize, right? And people know about it. So if you didn't have much of a name before, people are more likely just to kind of make certain assumptions like the, you know, maybe that maybe they wouldn't have actually gone and listened to your music before, or just wouldn't have given you a second look, but they yeah. see that and they kind of say, Oh, I should at least give this person a listen, you know? So like, for example, it was really helpful in booking this um, jazz festival tour we just did because I was able to, to email all the festivals and say, Hey, I'm just fresh off this Juno win. So, I mean, I have no way to, to test this or prove it, but I'm, I'm guessing that that made it much more likely to get a response, you know, from the, from the festival directors. So that's like an example. Yeah. Well, and they can use that to promote the show too. Look, we have a Juno award-winning musician. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cause that they were, they, they think, yeah, I can put that in the, you know, in the program and yeah. Totally. And all the, like all the, the attendance at every show we did was pretty much like pretty much all the shows were full or, or close to full. So, yeah. So some, some worked <laughs> something. something yeah, exactly. It's hard to, again, you never know what did what, but maybe that played a role or maybe the festivals have just really had their, had it together this time around, but yeah, it was great. That's cool. Yeah, that's good. What was it like? Uh, you, you played at the Albert at the jazz festival here in Winnipeg, right? Yeah, that's right. What was that like? I mean, you know, I I have this association with the Albert from from when I was younger, just uh, as like as a punk venue. I mean, you know, I've been to countless shows there and yeah. to see punk bands, hardcore bands, metal bands, jazz yeah. at the Albert. I, I love the idea of it. I didn't get out to any of those this year, but it's just such a hilarious uh, concept because I think a lot of people have this association. But I mean, it's a venue like any other. But what 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 was it like playing a, a jazz show there? Well, it was it was good. They put a curtain up. <laughs> Still smelled like smoke but you know it was good i actually like i thought it was a pretty cool venue yeah they, i mean there's a piano in there which they brought a piano in so that's that's important for me um i think that like the shape of the room works really well like there's not really any bad seats in the house totally. um the sound was good the sound tech was good uh yeah like i thought it worked really well actually well, hopefully that, that kind of thing is, is something that happens more. It just getting a sort of unexpected and untraditional, non-traditional uh, types of music in venues that, that are known for one thing, right? I mean, there, there's so many people doing all different kinds of stuff now. It would be very cool to see more more of that happening. Yeah, I mean, if you have a stage, um, yeah. If you have a stage, then that's all we really need. can make anything work for the most part. Yeah, totally. So what's the uh, best way for someone to hear this record? I mean, you know, like we said, it's been only been out for a few weeks, but uh, there's a podcast someone could hear it a year from now, at which point you might be doing more shows, you might have new music out, who knows, right? So what's the best way to hear you and find out what you're up to? Sure. Yeah, I mean, honestly, search my name, Will Bonus, and like everything pops up immediately. Website, Instagram, pick your thing. Like I'm on every platform essentially with the exact same name will bonus everywhere so that's yeah you're easy to find pick your, pick your social media poison and i'm there <laughs>
And then as far as actually, I mean, I, I assume this is on all the streaming services and you have physical copies uh, of the album. How does someone get their hands on a physical copy if they're... Willbonus.com and you can order one on there. That's, you know, I always tell people that one album is like streaming it, you know, for a year straight, essentially. So it's always appreciated. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, streaming is not the most uh, lucrative business unless you're... No. Even if you are having millions of streams, it's still not great. Oh, I've had millions of streams, and it's still not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, and then, what do you have coming up uh, as far as shows uh, locally? Locally, I'm playing at this uh, Red House. Um, this is Zora Gervais' uh, show that she does outside her house on her porch in uh, whatever the area is called, just off Stafford. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I'm playing there with uh, Jocelyn Gold, actually. And uh, where else am I playing? Honestly, it's kind of a slow summer. I just did so much stuff, and I, I don't have a whole lot going on locally coming up. I'm probably forgetting about some stuff, but it's it's pretty slow. Yeah. Do you? <laughs> uh, I love those Red House shows as like a, as a listener. I mean, I, I go to as many as I can, and. Uh, do you like that kind of setting? I mean, do you have a preference? I mean, that's basically a house show. It's just on a porch outdoors. But what is that kind of gig like for you compared to, you know, say playing a, a club or a larger venue that's maybe meant for what you're doing? Um, it's just different. Um, I like it because it's it's a little bit more like you, you feel maybe a little closer to the audience because they're just, just right there. And, you know, you finish playing and there they are you know <laughs> i mean a lot of clubs are like that too though sure like like we played at a club last week where it was like you play it and then there's nowhere to go like the only direction to go is directly back into the audience essentially so it's honestly kind of the same it's just outside yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah so it's not that different it's just if the weather's good though it's just it's nice to play outside and um feels very like communal like it's a part of a community and people are just showing up and bringing a lawn chair and yeah it's nice i like it yeah yeah it, it definitely has that that community vibe for sure
one thing I was going to ask you, this is maybe a weird question, but um, before, before I let you go here, I've noticed that looking at, you know, your various photos on, on social media, when you play shows and you're, you've been touring and posting images and videos and things from the shows, is there, is there like a jazz uniform that you wear? Because you seem to be dressed very similarly in every one of these photos. And it, it's definitely, and it's not just you. I mean, a lot of jazz players seem to have not a formal look to them, but it's definitely more formal than the t-shirt and jeans kind of vibe that a like lot of other... There, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Is that something that you just prefer to do when you're performing? Or is there some kind of unspoken sort of, you need to be a little well, bit... No, some people have all kinds of... You'll see people play in a suit and tie and... You see, you see other people play in a t-shirt you know i i just and sometimes my band is a lot more casual than i am you know they'll wear a t-shirt but yeah i just like to go in between because i really generally dislike wearing like a full suit and tie thing yeah i don't think anyone likes that but, but i also want to like be sort of dressy so i usually just throw on a jacket and call it a day <laughs> or, some, or some decent shoes yeah just somewhere in the middle right on yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I know it's a strange question, but it's just uh, you notice it more in jazz, right? That, that that there's people who are somewhat dressier than than I mean, obviously than like a punk band or something, but like they have a different dress code. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just yeah, it's it's probably just more kind of tradition, I guess. Like, like there's there are certainly a lot of people who play much more casually too, though. But but if you go to like a Lincoln Center jazz orchestra thing, they're all in a suit and tie, and that has a whole tradition as well with people like dressing up a lot you know maybe because um you know jazz was looked down upon for a long time by the public and by critics and whatnot so like people started dressing up you yeah. know as a way as a way to like kind of indicate that like this is music you should respect and that kind of thing so there's kind of that element that it's not as prominent now but um yeah, anyways, I don't know. I just, I'd like to kind of go halfway in between. 